Welcome to the Fantastic Podcast, where we believe that through books and banter, all is possible. I'm Steph, aka Ideally Inspired Reviews on Instagram, and I'm joined by... I'm Ava of Kingdom of Mass on Instagram. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing our recap of Empire Storms, the fifth book in the Throne of Glass series, and also the title of today's episode, Where You Lead, I Will Follow, comes from our patron, Stephanie. Love the name. <laughs> um, okay, so I personally am so excited to talk about Empire of Storms because I think that this episode kind of marks where we get to talk about all of the things that were previously spoilers. Um, like we kept having to bite our tongues through Air of Fire and Queen of Shadows, especially. Um, but Empire of Storms is really revelatory. Um, but we're not going to talk about the important stuff first. I mean, we are. Um, <laughs> but in terms of revelations, we'll save that for later. I think we need to acknowledge the fact that Kale is not present in this book, which means that Adian really steps in to fill the, fill the role of public enemy number one. So, Steph, this is which, true. which moment do you think was Adian's like chief peak asshole moment? Because there are so many good ones to pick from. Honestly, yes, there were so many good ones. And here's the thing. As always, as we like to point out, whenever Ava and I go off <laughs> this is nothing <laughs> against episode. anybody who <laughs> loves adian's character and wants to think differently that's fine we're not going to try to change your mind but you're not going to be able to change ours either on this. <laughs> but like i i think that Adi like one of the things that bothered me the most that stands out the most with that was, of course, after the battle in the bay and um, Lysandra still in her sea wyvern um, form. Mm -hmm. And he's like trying to like, you know, get her to shift back. Um, and he says something about like, oh, they all wanted to like marry you, but I'm going to be the one to marry you. And I'm just like, how very presumptive of you. Like, I know. At this point, like, I mean, they had been kind of flirty and, like, obviously super friendly and close, but, like, I don't, I did not personally feel like she had given him that kind of a green light to be so, totally. like, you know, well, he, <laughs> full like, of himself. <laughs> he, like, mentions at one point, he's like, I'm not going to push Lysandra because that would be wrong. Like, she's literally been a prostitute against her will. For years and it would be wrong of me to push her and then he's like but like telling her that I'm gonna marry her isn't pressure so it's fine like I'm gonna do that right um, and I mean and the thing sorry. is is he could have he could have been saying it in jest right like he could have right. been but in the same regard like in that scene we are in Adian's POV yeah. so there was no like right <laughs> there's no getting lost in translation here because we are in Adian's head Therefore, yeah. we know that he genuinely felt like some sense of entitlement towards being I, able to propose to her or whatever. But like, and I think that's uh, what it is. Like, I think that like Adian's now been kind of duped out of the blood oath and he's sort of like turning his sights on like, well, what else can I, what can I have? And like, what can be mine? 
And I'm like, nothing. You've done nothing to deserve anyone or anything. Um, except he sets his his sights on Lysandra. And I'm like, she doesn't deserve that. Yeah. <laughs> Leave her alone. Um, I mean, aside from that, and of course, his daddy issues with Gabriel. Oh like, Oh, my God. That was... That was classic. His daddy issues with Gabriel, classic. Um, just dick behavior. Gabriel's doing his best. I also think it's classic that he spends all of Air of Fire and Queen of Shadows going, oh my god, I would do anything for Aelin. Like, I would die for her. She's the only one who matters. And then in Empire of Storms, towards the very end, he starts screaming at her about, like, where are, the, where are our allies, Aelin? Like, where's the army? And then they show up one hour later, said armies and allies, and I'm like... Dude, you look dumb. You look dumb than usual. I know. I mean, because to be perfectly honest, like, yeah, like, I feel like he, 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 the literal audacity (laughs) that he had a lot, like, just, it was to the point where I was like, wow, it's just exactly like what you said. This is not, like, this is not 20 pages after the last time you, like, swore an oath you know to basically right. support Aelin in all things and then here you are not supporting her in any thing exactly he's just like <laughs> wet toweling the entire situation like nobody <laughs> asked for your opinion she right. asked for Rowan's opinion but I could and then the thing is is that I can completely understand if he's at, like if he's coming from like his tone with her in this regard is like him genuinely wanting to know like just keep me, you know, keep me abreast of the situation. Like, what's our plan here type of thing? Like, no, he always, like, goes, like, he's already at 100. Like, he's already there, like, being, like, assuming that she has no plan, assuming that, and just like we talked about in the last episode, where, like, everybody, Aelin is, like, so, (laughs) like, she's so brilliant, but it's always... The, the cycle with everybody where they don't right. believe in her and then she like randomly will like you know show that she clearly has been <laughs> plotting and scheming all along and clearly is so smart and right. has gotten ahead of the game and then you know everybody's like oh right but right. at this point like she's already done it like three or four times so at least like give her the benefit of the doubt at no, this exactly. point and like the other <laughs> characters like I feel like they get miffed over not being told about her plans because they're like worried for her safety. Adian gets right. miffed because he like doesn't. He like feels entitled not, to it. He feels entitled to her, you know, ev- her every thought. Um, it, it's just it's very obnoxious and like I just maybe I would feel better about it if I'd seen more evidence that he is like worthy of that position by her side. But she saved well, his ass in Queen of Shadows and. Offered very little aside from like basic sword fighting in <laughs> Empire of Storms. So I was like, what what you doing? Well, but not even just that. I feel like even if Adian would at least have the moment of redemption where he is like acknowledging verbally, outwardly, that he was an right. ass. Right. And that he, you know, that he shouldn't um, not... Uh, not assume, but you know what I mean? Like just automatically jump to conclusions on totally whether or not like she's fit to rule or she's fit to lead in battle because like there have been, there were quite a few moments in empire of storms. I felt that, um, Adian would kind of like 
have these underhanded, like these like snide comments, like almost implying like Aelin doesn't shouldn't know what she's talking about because he's been a a commander and he's been in battle and like all this stuff. And when he knows that she wasn't just like living like a privileged lady's life, like or anything, you know, during this whole time that he's been fighting wars and stuff like I just it just it I expect that from other characters I would not expect it from somebody like Adian who claims to be like basically the other half of her soul you know what I mean like I just I have a hard time with it and I think that that's what that's what makes me so angry about his character is that he he will be quick to say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm her, her right hand man or whatever. But in the same breath, turn around and like completely like not believe that she's worth her grain and salt. Like, you know, like I just, I, I just, anyway, anyway, I could talk about that until the cows come home, but I don't even know. Did you even mention like what your most despised Adian moment was? I don't think you did as Um, we've been ranting for 10 minutes. I think it was, I, I definitely (laughs) think it was the moment where, he starts screaming at her about like where their armies are. Oh, okay. And then those armies like literally show up 10 minutes later. And it's like, dude, we spent the entirety of queen of shadows learning how brilliant she is. And you can't give her the benefit of the doubt for one second. And like, I can understand if he had had that conversation like an adult and made it a conversation but instead he starts screaming at her in front of people who are not quite allies. So like you have Manon, poor Gabriel standing there like, oh my God, what is happening? Um, and like politically, you need to be smarter about that. You need to present a united front and he just doesn't. Like he undermines her in front of other people and I don't well, know what he thinks gave him the right. Well, but let's also be real. Like that's like such a contradiction to what like the persona that he's trying to right portray. He's like he's like like the fact that he's like, oh, you know, you haven't fought in battles, and I'm clearly like the commander here, basically. Like obviously paraphrasing here. Of course, he didn't say exactly that, but like, but at the same time, you would think that somebody who was the who. Okay, let's okay. Remove the situation. He served as a commander under Dorian's father's armies, right? So you mean to tell me that you spent all of those years basically kissing his boots. And of course we knew that it was a matter of survival. It wasn't like you were doing it within Mm -hmm. like malicious intent, but like you could do, you could grin and bear that. But then now you have an actual, like your blood, blood relative here right like your queen the one who you you know a means to an end basically like everything for her and and you can't keep your mouth shut for five fucking seconds until you get into private to then like unleash like i that makes no fucking sense to me like he's so inconsistent um i can't even fucking taking take him seriously no he's a toddler he's a toddler yeah no it's exactly it he's running around and like basically waving a toy sword and he thinks that you know doing like one thing allows him the right to i mean like he tries to talk over rowan and i'm like i'm sorry you're what 12 and rowan is 300 like whose word are we going to take it's not yours stupid i know but at the same time like really adian what have you done for aelin because even if you try to pretend like you've 
acquired allies or like that you helped the rebel movement in her stead or while she was away like it still did nothing for them in empire of storms because clearly you know at the beginning they didn't even take Aelin seriously where they didn't even want to acknowledge her as the rightful heir so like clearly adian you didn't even do your job well enough to prove to these people that she you know is still the worthy heir so okay but go off i guess like whatever um just look in the fucking mirror for five seconds. Seriously. Anyway, but real. Yeah. Yeah. But that that was twelve minutes on Adian. We yeah, won't whoops. spend more time on him because <laughs> he does not deserve Lord another moment more. <laughs> no. No. Ugh. Um okay. So I think before we get to the depressing stuff, and there is plenty of depressing stuff, I was like <laughs> literally oh my god, it was so hard to like pick which depressing thing to focus on in the script. <laughs> Um, so before we get there, let's talk about really quickly the romance, because somehow there was quite a bit of that packed into this book. Like before we get to, not before, but you know, this is one of the things that I love so much about Sarah is that we have these moments of like absolute despair. And then in the next moment, you're like shipping these characters really hard. Um, so we were fed basically all of the romance fans were fed very well in Empire of Storms. Um, so starting with Rowan and Aelin, which was our favorite moment of theirs? And how do we feel about the revelation of their relationship? Which I was mind blown about, but I will let you start. <laughs> oh. Well, of course, I loved the beach scene. Um when they finally consummate the relationship. Um, I just, I really, I think that one thing that I, I loved, of course, aside from the coupling um, in this book with Rowan and Aelin, um was I loved their, the dialogue between the two of them. I mean, I always love the dialogue between the two of them, but like there was a different tone to, uh, the way that they talked to each other and with each other, like it definitely, you could totally. tell that, that there was like a different, um, like there was a heaviness to it, of course, because of, I mean, he- hello, the end of Empire Storms, but like, um, there was just, I don't know, like it, it, everything felt more meaningful between the two of them, um, right. in in this book, um, because again, like I think that with era fire when they meet of course it's not a romantic thing like there are some there's some chemistry but it's not like we're not going hard for that relationship queen of shadows of course solidified it but like even then it was still kind of figuring out what they wanted to be and then now we have empire of storms where they knew what they were going like i mean it it was that was it like that's his wife um oh, that's his yeah wife. so like right <laughs> emotional so yeah. So, so I think that that was what I, I think that that's how for me as the reader, like everything just meant more um, because you, you we're not dealing with the trivial like relationshipy um, will they won't they um, that you get with a lot of the early romantic development. So, yeah. So at least with with them, I yeah, I love that. And of course, like I said, the beach is my favorite moment. Um 
but between that and also like there was that whole that that um like the bad dream that Aelin had and she woke oh up God. and Rowan was like worried about her and then she like had to like give him a a, a prompt oh, like yeah. a demand like <laughs> where she just like go get me some water I'm thirsty and he like gets up like completely naked from the bed to like and he like stares her in her face as he's pouring the water into the cup all the way to the brim <laughs> like completely like it's like those moments in the like, grocery off. store where you like make awkward eye contact with a stranger yeah. while you're doing something awkward except it's like romantically charged so like exactly <laughs> exactly like, i love it i love it no that's i just again i love the playfulness but also like yeah you know just everything meant more but what about you no, I think that that like to that degree, especially the everything meant more because this is a, a, a reread for us. So we know how this book ends. So I felt like I was like a chipmunk, like stuffing all of like these Rowaylin like moments to my chest and just being like holding them tight and being like, nothing can hurt me. Nothing can hurt them. They're fine. Everything's fine. Um, because knowing what happens at the end um I think does make it so much more meaningful um because they do have that time and I think that's what's so heartbreaking is that Aelin emphasizes that like even though they're going on this god-awful quest and like hiking through swamps which like can you imagine if that was your honeymoon like I would throw the promptest bitch fit you can imagine if that was my honeymoon hiking through a swamp um I would I would simply devolve into a demon <laughs> and a monster. Um, I would be like, even if an the Ilkin, wedding has already happened, will? I would be an, I would be a bridezilla. Like I don't even care. <laughs> um, I would bring out the worst of that stereotype. So, but like the fact that she treasures even those moments where I'm like, girl, that could never be me. Like, forget the world. If I have to walk into a swamp, we're done. <laughs> Say goodbye to life as we know it. Um, so yeah, the fact that she treasures those moments, I think, was so special. Um, regarding their so their mateship, which like <gasps> I didn't see that coming when I first read Empire of Storms because 2016 was also the year that we got Akamath, um, and Akamath had come out in May, whereas Empire of Storms was September. So I felt like I was like kind of satiated in terms of the whole like like bond thing by that point um and I had liked that Rowan and Aelin kind of seemed to exist without the bond um but then when it happens and gets revealed it's almost done in a way where it's like so secondary to the relationship that they've already like cultivated and worked for Mm -hmm. um so it's probably like my favorite representation of like that bond that Sarah's done just because it's like if you have something that is that um, profound, but it's somehow like not even the thing that entices you to be together and stay together and love each other, then like you've made it. <laughs> um, regarding the beach scene, loved it, obviously. obviously. Also a little concerned, like just wouldn't wouldn't sand get everywhere? Like. I mean, listen, uh, <laughs> Rowan's Rowan's special gift of wind, I feel, might, like, keep them, keep, keep the breeze. <laughs> keep like, the, I was the just, sand. like, worried about, like, listen, a UTI or some shit. Listen, I was ma'am, like, girl. <laughs> we don't have time for that. We okay. do not have time to worry about the logistics of 
inner inside things, uh, inner workings, if you will. Um, we don't have time for that. Let's just, you know, okay. Let's pretend just like it as listen. fantasy like, romance. Yeah, there was there was there was the 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 shield around them. Like maybe it protected them from like being stuck with sand up their butts. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Don't ruin it. We'll go with that. No, I'm not, I would never. I would never. Um, but that is a question that plagues me like more and more. Like the older I get, I'm just like, I don't know. Like I appreciate the romance of it. But if that were me, I'd be like, do we have a beach towel or? <laughs> Even like, the beach towel is not going to do much. I no, mean, if it's we're going to be honest. Like uh... a, what are, what are those things? A cabana? Is that what it is? Where it has like the little couches and everything. It's just on the beach. Sure. I don't know what they're called. I haven't been to a beach in so long. RIP. <laughs> I mean, summer. I usually just do. I usually just take a blank, like a picnic blanket and just lay that out. <laughs> and beach chairs. Like you nobody. I've like never been to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Like, uh, wow. Don't tell Tarquin. That's really sad. Jeez. I know. Well, I know. <laughs> I, I like literally trailed off because I was thinking of him. Embarrassing for me. All right, before I get sidetracked, um, let's talk about Alorkin because this was a ship that totally snuck up on me um, when I read Empire of Storms for the first time. And then all of a sudden, I was obsessed. So my question for you is, do you ship them? And if yes, when did you start shipping them? And what was your favorite moment? Um, hmm... I really loved, okay, okay, let's be real. You give me a morally gray, (laughs) anti-hero, grumpy, ornery, like, (laughs) blessed by the god of death, like, just whatever, like, Lorcan and anybody would have been it for me. Like, I mean, in the sense, like, I would have been down for whoever he was with. And I know that we kind of talked about this in, in an earlier episode, like, that we still were kind of mildly shipping, like, not even mildly, like, Manon in the lead up until oh, that totally. point, really. I Absolutely. mean, granted, we did get a lot of Manon. Like, there there were some indicators that Manon and Dorian might eventually become a thing. Um, but even so, regardless. Anyways, with Alid um, and Lorcan, like, I, like, as soon as they had their first, like, encounter and he mm-hmm. basically, you know he had to like pick her up and run with her and like all this stuff. Like I was like, well, this is, this is going to be fun. Like this is going to be a fun, (laughs) like even though technically they're in danger and she's on the run and he's clearly trying to screw over Aelin and them. But like, right. I'm like, clearly whatever is going to be happening with these two is what's going to like keep my will to live. Uh, (laughs) and, And I was correct because I love a grumpy sunshine and I love that like well I mean Alid Alid is a sunshine but like obviously she's a subdued <laughs> she's an overcast she's like sunshine. A overcast? <laughs> she's not high noon, she's more like nine AM <laughs> yeah. still sleepy. Yeah. So I mean I I just I don't know, like obviously opposites attract here. Right. In a way, enemies to lovers. I mean, the, just tropeliciously great. It just yes. had checked all the boxes for me. So I was excited about it. What about you? 
Um, so I definitely like loved their scenes together, but there were moments where I was like, are these just like two attractive people who like get together and it's because they're attractive? Like, you know, when that happens where you're like, I couldn't explain why the two of you are together, except for that you're both really pretty. And so it just kind of like makes sense. Um, and that was where I was until it was like really two scenes that like pivoted my entire thought and was like, no, no, no. This is excellent and I am delighted. And that was, the first one was the circus scene where, or the carnival, I guess it is, I guess it's called. Um, oh yeah. Where mm-hmm. Ali dress up, dresses up as like an oracle and she's like, everyone's looking at Lorcan. And then Lorcan is doing his own show and he's like, everyone's looking at Alid. And you can just tell that they're both so jealous, but would rather like stab themselves than admit it. And I love that. That is, that is tropalicious as you say. I'm obsessed with that. Um, and then the moment where I was like, oh my God, I think it's love was when they confronted Vernon and the Ilkin and she, you know, he tells her to like run away and she does, but she picks up the ax. Um, and that's why she runs is like for that ax. I was like, oh shit. (laughs) I just like (laughs) had to like pause and take a breath even in my, I mean, I think that, um, Empire of Storms was one of the first copies of throne of glass that I like bought for myself I was such a baby that by this point I was literally reading them from the library um <laughs> I know but by empire of storms I actually like I did have a job and was spending money on books and so it was one of the first that I had access to at all times and so I've probably read empire of storms the most out of all of the books I would say um and every single time, I just get so excited by that scene. I think it's a total show stealer. Um, and I'm like forever disappointed that we actually didn't get very much Alorkin after this book, I think. I think that this was like the peak Alorkin book, and we'll get more into this during our Kingdom of Ash talk, of course. Um, but so much was going on that we almost didn't have time for romance in Kingdom of Ash. So... Yeah, I wish we'd gotten like six books of canon Alorkin. I know, but that's just. I mean, me. maybe maybe that's something we'll get in the the world of Kingdom of or no, the world, the world of, of Kingdom Throne of Glass, <laughs> the the world of Kingdom of whatever. Um, I mean, yeah. So. But here's the thing: like one thing that I love. It's so funny. So whenever I do like rec requests, when I ask people like what what kind of you know recs mm-hmm. do you want right now, right? And s- sometimes people are a little confused on like. <laughs> what what a trope is which is perfectly okay because I get yeah. it like I get it but like every now and again like I'll get somebody that's like wildly specific on what they want and like one of the things that they ask that I get asked often is the um oh I don't want to like you mm-hmm. but you re- you look really nice in that top and <laughs> I notice everybody else looking at you and it, it's making me jealous, but I don't realize that I'm jealous and like whatever. So anyways, like I feel like that's Lorcan. Like totally. That would be oh, totally. total like Lorcan wreck. <laughs> Lorcan is like literally the guy who we like, we get some of this too, especially towards the end of the book where he kind of gets reunited with like Gavriel and Fenris and um, Gavriel and Fenris totally out him. And they're like, Lorcan took whip, took the whip for you, Rowan, because Mabe was so pissed that we all went to help you and missed word. Miss Ward, whatever. 
Um, there's no hope for pronouncing these names for me at I least. Know. Um, Just say it one time and we'll pretend like we both know right. what we're talking about. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's like that, there's that moment where, you know, we, we learn that Lorcan like, oh, you do care. And like, he right. cares so deeply, but he would literally rather be whipped than admit it. Like, don't get me wrong. It's not funny. That is like a crime against humanity that anybody is whipped. But the fact that Lorcan was like, do it. I don't care. I just, I can't let them know. I feel things is like so funny to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> just because he's like, I like, God forbid Rowan know that he's my friend. Like, I can't imagine a more apocalyptic classic, <laughs> classic, like it, that's the type of, of like male character or love interest that I always fall for. I mean, books. how could you not? It's... But in real life, like, I wouldn't. But, like, in books, I'm like, I eat that shit up. Um, oh, totally. Same. But that's yeah. exactly what books are for. It's like looking in a mirror. Um, <laughs> I'd rather be He's, whipped is... than talk about my feelings. Let's go. <laughs> Does that make Lorcan a Capricorn, then? Probably. I mean, I would not put it past him at all. <laughs> All right, so, yes. moving on to the next ship. I, we won't have to spend much time on this because we've already talked about him, but I wrote for everyone in, who's listening, um, bullet point, Lysadian, comma, ugh. Like, <laughs> there's no notes. It's just ugh, um, which is really kind of how I feel about that ship. Like, honestly, I wish that Lysandra had either... Okay, here's my thing. I just think that Lysandra is not suited for, like, a traditional relationship. Like, I just... She presents as very queer to me um, mm-hmm. with the whole shape-shifting and everything. Well, I, well, I think that it's the same totally... thing with, like... I, I think that it's the same thing with, like, a lot of characters similar yeah. to her in the sense of, like, for example, Loki in right. like <laughs> mythology like in, in take a shot Norse i'm taking a shot lore. but right like <laughs> but, but i mean it's just like <laughs> but i just feel like like w- when their characters are so like you can shift into anything yeah. Yeah. i mean loki could like shift into animals and he could shift yeah. into all these like i feel like there is no heteronormative right. Right. box that you put these people in precisely like and or these be, beings in <laughs> to be clear before anyone accuses me of being biphobic <laughs> before anyone accuses me of being biphobic because this has legitimately happened i wouldn't bring it up if it wasn't real um queer people can obviously be in straight relationships i just personally would have enjoyed so like Lysandra's still queer if she's in a relationship with a man um, in my personal interpretation. So let me get that straight. I just think that it would have been a good opportunity for a little bit more uh, pushing of the boundaries. Like, like, like Adian just feels very much like a character that like got thrown against her because they were both the single ones. But I wouldn't have minded if Adian had died or been the one locked in, you know, the tomb um, with Maeve, what is that called? Coffin? Coffin. Yeah, um, the, the, oh, I know what you're talking about, cheese. The sarcophagus. Sarcophagus, the yes. Yes, that's what um, it was. Mm-hmm. Like, that should have been him, you know? If he's always like, I'm your twin, Aelin, I was like, all right, step up, Adian, like, time to get it, get it Talk in the box. Talk about it, be about it, let's <laughs> yeah, go. <exactly. laughs> um, so, 
yeah, I don't know. Like, I just, I feel that personally that relationship, um, in Empire of Storms, I was lacking something and I would have liked to have seen Lysandra be a little bit more like, I'm actually not going to do the relationship thing. I'm not even going to think about it right now. Like I've been a prostitute for most of my life and that has sucked and I want to explore myself and my powers and all that jazz. So, so sort of like the implication because they're not like a couple, especially by the end of the book when Adian elects to be like the biggest dick with the smallest penis ever um in that moment (laughs) just such an asshole um so like they're not together but sort of the implication of possible romance between them was like just very unfortunate in my opinion in this book (laughs) yeah i just i don't i don't know i i feel like um I think that my feelings for Adian aside, I just feel like with him and Lysandra, I just never, it never really full on clicked for me. Like it just, it, it never, where I feel like with the rest of the characters who are in relationships, like I almost would have loved to see Lysandra and Fenris together. Yes. Oh my God. What a duo first of all with Fenris being able to shift but also like with you know I I just I feel like they both have like you know these broken paths like these you know like this history and I mean like boohoo on Adian but like I I just I, I feel like the dynamic of their like their relationship would have been a lot more yeah. Like you're you're helping to fix like I, I almost felt like Lysander was just too good for Adian. Um totally. Oh, that's just like the period. Root of my problem. <laughs> right, like just period. Like I just think that it was like whereas like I think the rest of the couples in this series, they balance each other out in one way or another. Whether yeah. like I mean, obviously Lorcan is working to be worthy of a lead, but mm-hmm. like I, I don't feel like with exception of that, that relationship, like I don't feel like um this one made off. sense. Yeah, like it just didn't make <laughs> it sense. Did so not that's the landing. That's my take on that. Um, I I would like to see Lysandra have more of um more time to sow her wild oats, like without yeah, being absolutely. like in a confined, you know, yeah, monogamous like right, like and not even necessarily com- confined in the form of like the relationship i just mean like they're in close quarters this whole time i mean all right. of, all of her relationships with aid like the entirety of her relationship with aiden has adian has been um a the close confines close proximities forced proximity <laughs> like not necessarily because she is immediately like making that decision for herself not to say right. that she didn't have free will but i just I would like for her to just like literally have like a night out on the town and like take somebody <laughs> home that she wants to take home. No, absolutely. Um, so that's, yeah. So that's our thoughts. Anyways. All right. Next ship, because <laughs> it's going to just make me rant. <laughs> all right. Last one. So this is Minorian. So Minan and Dorian, which I think obviously we really see a lot more of in Empire of Storms. How do we feel about their relationship? <laughs> I really okay so I really I really like their relationship um because they're both fighting for supremacy like fighting for <laughs> like domination and I love it like because they're both very 
obviously dominant personalities, but like, but that in the same regard, like that they both read each other's cues to like, mm-hmm. to, to, uh, I don't know, like I was going to say conform, but that's not the right word, but like to, <laughs> to essentially like to, to be able to make their relationship work and to be what the other one needs in that moment. So whether it's Manon who like wants to relinquish control, like in just mm-hmm. the bedroom, then Dorian's willing to take <laughs> take the yes, reins on is. that uh, in more ways than one. And mm-hmm. that's fine. And we are here for it 100% of the time. But I also really <laughs> love that there is a mutual respect for each other's power and ability and mm-hmm. strengths and weakness, um, which I really, really love because... Um, you know, with all the hashtag witch shit that we get in <laughs> the books, and we also kind of get a glimpse of how the witches procreate, number one, and number two, like, how they pretty much just view men to be vessels. Of, right. Like, like, of, like, seed, <laughs> really. Like, they just don't, like, they don't need the men for any other purpose than to really, like, for pleasure and for souring yeah. other witches. Um so I just I I loved seeing the dynamic of the relationship be almost like, you know, the opposite of what we as the reader got from like the you know what how the witches typically have relationship with men, relationships right. with men. So I don't know. I love it. I love it. I'm I'm here for it. I mean, I obviously want more content as much as I can get. So give me that. Okay. <laughs> Where you're like typing out a DM right now. You're like, right. I know. (laughs) I feel like I ask for this like more than I ask for any other content. Like, I'm just like, where is Manon and and Dorian content? Thank you. I want that. So, anyways. Okay. What about you? (laughs) Well, so this is how you would know that like neither Steph nor I like change our opinions to agree with each other. So to everyone who accused us of that, not none of you lovely patrons, but some other people. (laughs) Um, I'm so sorry I'm salty today, but anyway, it's fine. (laughs) Um it's fine. Uh this is how you know because I actually feel like the exact opposite about Manon and Dorian. I'm super lukewarm to their relationship. So I will say before anyone Are you more lukewarm to them? Then you the, would be to Adian and Lysandra, or do you feel it's the same? Um, I feel it's like to the same level, but for different reasons. Um, so whereas I feel that there's like a, a dynamic between Lysadian that is literally just Adian is super immature and kind of set his sights on the first thing that he thought was pretty, and that happened to be poor Lysandra. Um, I feel like Manon and Dorian do have a really great like mutual respect for each other. Um, and push each other in ways that, you know, the other characters kind of don't. So, like, we definitely see moments where even Aelin sort of underestimates Dorian or, like, puts him into a corner um, because she remembers him as, like, the prince who needed protecting or who needed saving. Um, Whereas Manon doesn't do that, and she, like, fully, you know, trusts him and, like, is confident that he can obviously take the reins, as you said. Um, but I personally felt like they had a lot of really wonderful sexual chemistry that doesn't necessarily mean they'll make amazing, like lifelong 
partners. So I'm just, not that you have to be like, not that it has to be a traditional relationship, um, but if we're going off of the relatively traditional forms of relationships that Sarah tends to write with her like main characters, so like kind of the, the you know, Rowaylin face and type thing, I don't necessarily think that that's the kind of bond that Manon and Dorian have. Um, and I felt myself like looking for, I don't know, moments where I was like, I can confidently say that these two characters are in love. Cause I know that this is a popular ship and every single time I reread Empire of Storms and especially the latter half of the Throne of Glass series, I always like look for what everyone else sees in Minorian. And I, I like, I just can't for some reason get there. I think part of it is the fact that I love that, you know, Manon puts um, such an emphasis on like the 13 and having that be her like primary um, relationship. And I love the way that she interacts with them that I almost felt that like a romance was like extraneous for her. And I was totally like, I'm fine with her, you know, having a romantic partner. I just always feel like I'm missing something when it comes to the Manon and Dorian scenes, aside from the fact that they're really sexy, because I won't deny that they're really sexy. Um, well, I think I just like miss out on that romantic chemistry, I would say. I think I think that the main difference, too, is the amount of page time number one but also number two like the development they don't have as much time or opportunity to right. even have that development because no dorian was in a collar throughout most right. of queen of shadows and then of course like a lot of the interactions between dorian and manon prior to the sexually charged ones were really them just trying to feel each other out like yeah. what's going on um type of thing so like i feel like it could it could have that you know i mm. mean and, and at the same time it could be the same thing that we were talking about with lysander where it doesn't have to be a yeah conventional straightforward relationship it literally could just be like scratch an itch like all right and then mutually <laughs> respect each other afterwards right. but i mean like would i is my love for this ship enough to be like yeah i want like i want to see them like be married and have right. witchlings and like all this stuff no, but I'm also the same person that doesn't feel like you have to have kids to have a happily ever oh, after. Oh, totally, totally. So in the Fist same regard, pumping. like I think, <laughs> right. So I think that a lot, I, I do think that sometimes de depending on your perception uh, might also, you know, how you personally value, I guess, happily ever after and also what a relationship means to you right. might mean something different to somebody else for the same reason why some people still ship Kaol and Aelin together, <laughs> even after the fact that it's not even right existent anymore, but like they still want it. And so right. maybe like that's like, you know, I don't know, like it defines what they want or what they what they value in yeah. a and that's OK. That's fine. That That's you. But yeah, Absolutely. no, I can totally see where you're coming from, though, on this for sure. I can totally see that. Because I, I feel like, like we got more development with Elite and Lorcan than we did for Manon and, yeah, and Dorian, for sure. Definitely. I just think that um, at least Manon, like their priorities also feel very different. Um, 
So like Manon, you know, worrying about the 13 and kind of trying to figure out if she's going to pick up a mantle, the mantle of, you know, the queen of witches. Um, that just like, there are just moments where I almost, and I do this like across the board. So we kind of know that as much as I love um, romance and like spicy scenes and all of that, and I, I do obviously, I really also love it when books can stand on their own without that. And so I'm very much a reader who looks for the moments of like political intrigue and courtly intrigue and that kind of thing. And so I felt personally that I was just much more interested in sort of Dorian, the fact that, you know, Rifthold has been sacked. He's, you know, quote unquote, been ousted as a king by Erowan. Um, and then, you know, Manon has also been ousted by her grandmother and she's trying to figure out if the 13 are alive. She's trying to figure out what her relationship is with the other witches. Um, those aspects were more interesting to me than their relationship. And I personally didn't feel that I saw their relationship like heightening any of those plot points, which is usually what I'm looking for in a romance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, regardless of it, of whether or not it looks like a conventional traditional romance or not, I'm kind of looking for that like um, uh, betterment of sort of what's happening externally outside of the relationship sexual romantic bubble um and i just didn't i i have never really seen that with minorian so that being said i'm gonna add the huge caveat of you know like you say i'm gonna go dm sarah right now which will totally work because she's super active on instagram um she'll see it immediately (laughs) yes sarcasm (laughs) hashtag sarcasm insane sarcasm um and basically just like request that we get more development of them because i think that like there is that potential. I just, and I, I won't spoil anything for Kingdom of Ash, but like even through Kingdom of Ash, I personally felt interested in the things that were going on outside of the Dorian and Manon um, like relationship progression. Um, so I think I would just need more time. Like they probably, I mean, like is war ever like the ideal time to date and like figure out your love life? Like, no, of course not. They're busy trying not to die. Um, so I think that, you know, that's not to say that Minorian or yeah, Minorian could never work. I just, I guess I need to see more like domestic, like basically like a 600 page fan fiction AU where everything is happy and, (laughs) and see how their, where their relationship goes. Um, but yeah, those are my personal thoughts on that ship. Yeah. I, I mean, and I get that. And I think that you're actually one of the first people that I've talked to that is not a hundred percent sold on it. Like, I know that you're not, I know that you're not alone in this though. Like, I just mean like, I have not, I've not had like an open discussion about it with anybody. It's just been like, do you ship it? Do you ship it or do you not ship it? You don't ship it. Okay. Let's move on. You do ship it. Okay. Let's talk about it. Like, but, uh, but yeah, this is probably the first time that I've like had somebody openly talk about not being fully on board with it um but i mean hey but at the same time at least you aren't completely opposed to it it's just no definitely not completely sold on it so again there's only no hate that i'm completely opposed to but we won't talk about that it's tarquin and whoever he ends up with it is tarquin and whoever he ends up with that or right anyway like i would i would never slut shame a woman but i'm totally gonna bully whoever he ends up with (laughs) Watch it be like some obscure person. 
Like somebody we it's haven't even met yet. It's just vaguely mentioned. It's like we don't even get like a name. It's just like, oh, Tarquin and his wife, and then they never appear again. And I'm just gonna be like having a panic attack. It's like some fisherwoman. It's some oh. fisherwoman who's been out at sea this whole time. Listen, I'm like, I, I'm like, I'm manifesting that like the character has like the word Ava in that name because you know that Sarah has these really long crazy fantasy names and you could totally stick the word like my name is only three letters long you can totally stick it somewhere you can totally add like an L and some Y's and a few N's maybe an R and make like a random fantasy name and that's gonna be his wife like I'm manifesting because he, he, like he's not in a relationship yet so there's still time Okay, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I had my Zaddy's Day episode to talk about this. So moving on. Uh, <laughs> it's a lie. We're never moving on. Everything <laughs> Um. Okay, so let's talk about the depressing things. There are so many moments in Empire of Storms that are very pivotal in the series in terms of plot development and character development. Um, but one of the things that people wanted us to comment on was the nameless is my price and sort of what that means, because I've had some people kind of come and be like, come to my DMS and you know, the Patreon DMS and be like, I'm still actually not entirely clear on what this means. So let's break that down for you because I also have opinions TM about (laughs) Brandon and Elena. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, Um, Although we have been doing this read-along quite consistently now. So hopefully you have been picking up on the fact that um, Aelin has a mark upon her brow that is essentially the mark of the nameless. We get a little bit of this in Throne of Glass and Queen of Shadows especially is when it kind of comes up and pops up. And then in Empire of Storms we sort of get, you know, that like touchstone and realization of what it means. And basically it means that whoever bears that mark is going to be the cow that is like sold to go to the butchering block of the gods um because so here's my under here's my understanding of what happened um brandon was working on like this weapon during one of the first wars against the valg or maybe the second war and he didn't tell anybody about his plans so it's very alien and Elena, his daughter, assumed that he was just not going to do anything about the Valg threat. So she stole the lock, which was this weapon, not really knowing what it's for or how it's used. Um, and she uses it to put Erwan in the coffin, in the sarcophagus, and lock him up for several hundred years or a thousand years or something like that. Um, not realizing that Brandon had made a deal with the gods that basically said, in exchange for his entire power and life force, the gods would take Erowan away, bring him to their world, and they would be set free from Aralea where they are essentially trapped. Um, and because Elena stole the lock and used it, that plan doesn't come to fruition. So it's essentially like she fucked up, he said nothing, and now Aelin has to pay the price for mistakes that were made 1,000 years ago. Um, do we want to talk about that? Because I think this was the moment, this this was the reread, I guess I should say, that that really sank in and made my heart break. Like, the fact <laughs> that she... 
is and I like, don't mean to laugh at that I just like it just no, I like she, I just I, I find it just to be like it's so it's such a frustrating point in the book for me yeah that like I think that every time we do a reread that I just skim through it because I get so mad about it she like, so like I'm not gonna have a lot to say on it just because like I think that I just get so no, no, mad no, no. I totally get that because I think they're like <laughs> I know that one of the criticisms for the series which like I completely disagree, but, you know, to each their own, whatever. But one of the criticisms for the series is that, like, Aelin is the chosen one, and she has the special mark that makes her the chosen one. And I always want to rage because I'm like, but that mark doesn't say, hi, I'm Aelin, and I'm destined for greatness. It says, hi, I'm Aelin, and my ancestor threw me to the wolves. Like, literally, it is, like, the way that you brand like, animals, essentially, marking them for slaughter. Like, that is what that mark means. Um, and it pisses me off so much because like this was, this was all avoidable had Brandon not told Elena about his plans. Like I can understand Brandon not making like an official proclamation to his entire kingdom and being like, okay, here's the deal. Um, I'm going to use this lock to die and send the gods and Erwin away. Like this is, you know. Um, privileged information, so I get why it's not public knowledge. But the fact that he didn't even tell his daughter, even when she was like, Dad, I'm really pissed at you for not fighting the Valg. I'm like, dude, like, Aelin's plans, they don't necessarily hurt anyone because they're not told, if that makes sense. So, like, when she tricks everyone into um, thinking that, you know, Araban's will gave her everything... That doesn't hurt anyone except for people that we don't care about. So it doesn't matter, essentially. Um, Brannon, by not telling his plans to Elena, like, fucked over everyone. But especially Aelin. And, like, I'm mad about it. I'm like, what kind of immature nonsense is this? Like, why would you not say anything, my dude? You know? I know. Like, this is basic communication. What does it say about you as a father if you weren't even able to say, don't worry, I have a plan to save the day? Like, that is need-to-know information. That is very important. Like, he probably never told Elena that he loved her either, and that's why she, like, immediately ran off with the first dark hair, blue-eyed man that she met. Which, by Ayo. the way... Daddy issues. <laughs> I know, exactly. No, literally, probably. Elena probably calls Gavin daddy. I would, I would count on it. Um... I think it's funny that Brandon and Gavin hate each other, though, like, consistently. Like, there's a moment, even in Kingdom of Ash, where um, we see some shade between the two of them. It's pretty funny. Um, but it just kind of, like, I, it, it's, like, stupid, but makes me chuckle. It's just, like, I don't know. Gavin's arrogance over, like, I ran off with your daughter, dude. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> Fight me. Um, I just, I have a good, I have a good chuckle. Um... <laughs> But yeah, fucking stupid. <laughs> so like as much as I laugh over like certain aspects of the revelations that we learn about in Empire of Storms, like mostly they make me more mad than anything because Aelin didn't deserve it. And she like knew that, I mean, like she knows that she's supposed to die and has known it, but she also knows that Rowan is her mate and she's supposed to lead this kingdom out of the darkness and she can't do any of it because she's supposed to die. Like, that's heartbreaking. I know. 
I, I, I think that like, it's just like hit after hit after hit yeah. after hit. Like that was There's just no literally <laughs> what that felt like, like that mm-hmm. whole sequence of events, um, yeah. the information, the reveals, like everything, like which is hit after hit after hit. And I'm just like, oh my God, can like Aelin take like a fucking break? Can she take Seriously. a 15? Can she punch out for a five fucking seconds? Like yep. just without having to deal with someone else's fucking problems literally <laughs> that she is inheriting in addition to everything fucking else. So yeah, no, that shit was oof. Like she deserved a spa and she literally got a swamp. Yeah. Like that is a cosmic joke. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, like, yeah, just it, it doesn't get any better from there. I mean, it just goes downhill from there. Like, as mm-hmm. far as, like, fortune-wise, it just goes downhill from there. Right. Once we get that revealed, then, like, you know, everything else happens in the bay, and then you're going to, you, Maeve comes, and then you find out all this shit from Maeve, and then it's yeah. like, oh. Which, speaking oh of that, <laughs> so, like, it had never occurred to me, like, of course, Rowan and Aelin are mates because it's been established that Lyria is Rowan's mate. And then Maeve saunters up and she's like, that was all a lie. I fabricated all of it. And I just feel so bad because like, I know that Rowan is kind of, for the most part, he's a fan favorite. He's certainly a Steph favorite. Um, mm-hmm. But I wouldn't necessarily say that like that kind of person is necessarily easy to love, which before anyone gets mad, you still deserve love. It's going to be okay. Um, but he is very, like, he's just very intense and not everyone is suited to handle that intensity. And like knowing what we know about Lyria, sort of the very little scraps that we got about her, she's like this little demure flower seller. And like, it makes sense that they weren't mates looking back on it, but it also makes me feel so bad for her that she was cheated out of like a good life he was cheated out of a good life like i don't know when may have fucked with the mating bond i was like all right now you've done it like you messed with something <laughs> sacred well now we've got hardcore trauma now we've got hardcore trauma now like just there is not enough therapy in the world like thank fuck Rowan is immortal and can literally go to therapy for 500 years because okay but not even that okay so like we we're dealing with all this and then remember there's that whole like pregnancy scare thing with Rowan where he thought oh my god so then it's like okay fuck like geez (laughs) uh give me a second i can't this is too much like i can't catch my breath yeah so it's so like If we were to sum up the last, like, 15 to 20% of Empire (laughs) of Storms, it would literally be, ugh, let me catch my breath, or please, can you make it stop, or... Literally. Like, I just needed, I felt that I needed, like, a button, like, a dial. I just needed to be, we need to turn down the intensity on this. Just, like, a, just a notch or two. Like, it is too much. The title should have been Empire of Misery. Like, that should have been the title of the book. Like, just. Empire of shedding all the tears. Empire (laughs) of fuck my life. Empire of. OMG. Oh, my God. So, um. I like remember the quotes that they used to reveal for Empire of Storms 2. And one of them is that quote. I like distinctly remember it because it was, it's the quote where Aelin is like, she was grateful for the time that she had. And it's like just that quote. 
so this is a teaser before the book has come out and it was no context just like Aelin is grateful for the time that she'd had dancing and you know laughing and falling in love and all that and I remember like I was 15 16 by this point going oh my god so this is gonna be a happy book <laughs> womp womp. <laughs> literally literally well also okay at womp least womp. you weren't listen i feel like when i read empire storms by the way when i read it the first time i don't know what i was smoking at the time or like where my <laughs> head space was no but like i for some reason thought that empire of storms was the last book of throne of god i don't know oh, where shit <laughs> i don't know where so like the whole time I'm like, oh my god, like oh my god, <laughs> and then it's it's that you know it's that whole like reader panic moment where you're looking at how much page time is left, and you're looking at how much shit they have to fix, and you're like, there's no way this is going to be fixed in the last eighty pages. Seriously, like, there's no fucking way. So it was funny, and I remember it like at that point, like Sarah and I were friends, like that I would like text, and so again, I I read this before. Like, I had to read it for the event. And I texted her and I was like, Sarah, I totally thought this was the last book. She's like, oh, no, sweetie, no. Like She's oh like, oh, God. there, there. You poor, my poor, sweet summer child. Like, just <laughs> legit. Like, I, that was part of the trauma, too. Because I'm like, wait a minute. Hold on a minute. Like, now I got to fucking wait again? Oh, <laughs> I was so upset. I think that the reason that I thought it was the last book was because Akatar had come out and I was like oh clearly this is like gonna you know take up the mantle of like her releases like this will be the series that's you know she's gonna womp womp jokes on me (laughs) Sarah just proved how much of a badass she is by being like I'm releasing two books per year (laughs) I know and then now one a year fuck you (laughs) like look I get it I'm so happy that like she's being a mom that shit takes work she deserves it she's working on the show she's a busy woman but god damn it I really do yearn for the days where we got two books per year like I really do I miss those days not ashamed to say it (laughs) Um, I know because at least like actually okay so here was the problem. So like May came around and we got Akatar and if we, you know, we'd of course be in an Akatar hangover. And I remember reading, so I read Akatar in 2015, like approximately right after it came out and then immediately had Queen of Shadows to look forward to. And so it was these two very close together and I was delighted. And I didn't read Akamath until late into 2017, so like right before Akawar's release, probably because in September I was traumatized by Empire of Storms. Um, <laughs> read Empire of Storms and, you know, like reread Throne of Glass a bunch of times, um, was just so traumatizing. And I remember thinking to myself, I was like, okay, well, A Court of Wings and Ruin is coming out soon. And surely the ending of Akamath cannot be as bad as Empire of Storms. And it was not as bad as Empire of Storms. But I will say it's like equally traumatic in the sense that like the couple that you've been rooting for this whole time has been separated. And Feyre's circumstances were like much better than Aelin's. I will totally acknowledge that. But I remember like putting down Akamath like when once you've gotten to the end and being like, are you fucking kidding me? Like I got to, <laughs> we made it through um, Empire of Storms and I'm somehow alive. And then reading the Akamath like, ending i'm like she just she really couldn't give us a break not even one second to catch our breath um i know anyway I know. Still so suffering. i'm gonna i'm Hashtag putting this in <laughs> putting this all in my dm that i'm gonna send her 
my hashtag sending my therapy uh, receipts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like almost this is the beam. making me like readdress the trauma of 2016. <laughs> like, again, right? 2016 was already bad enough. Like, it was. For oh so my many God. reasons. Fuck, and then we right. got this shit. <laughs> I forgot about 2016 as, like, Ugh. that year. Yes, All right, so bad. moving on. Anyways, yes, good lord. <laughs> moving on. Um, okay, so the last thing that I want to bring up is the allies. Because at the end of Empire of Storms, we see the silent assassins. We see Ansel. We see, Ga- we see Galen. Um, I'm pretty sure it's Galen, not Galen. Pretty sure it's Galen. I, s- I say Galen in my head, so who knows? Okay, cool. We'll go for it then. Um... But I just feel like it's so important. Like, I know that some people disagree about the reading order of Throne of Glass, but I maintain that reading Assassin's Blade first is, like, the best way to go and the most rewarding. Because sort of knowing who these people are when they reappear in Empire of Storms is so just, like, viscerally delightful um so it like boggles my mind when people say that they haven't read you know the assassin's blade in the same way that sometimes people say they haven't read tower of dawn because i'm like how it's so rewarding and delightful and amazing and wonderful like seeing elias like appear on the beach silently quietly like one of elin's first crushes here to like defend her and save her territory and ansel who got the warning from queen of shadows like i just remember melting to pieces and i still melt to pieces every single time i reread that um because it's just so first of all it sticks it to adian so that's the most important part and second (laughs) of all it just proves how smart and um how much of like a unifier Aelin really is like I know that you know this is kind of like the thing that gets tossed around consistently is that Aelin's very polarizing but I'm like that's actually not true some of you guys are just weak because she oh, has wow. made so uh-huh. Shots many fired. yeah it's true <laughs> because she's made so many allies from all over the world I don't see Adian doing that I don't see Darrow doing that I don't see anyone else doing that but she's calling in old deaths and favors and like uh, well i mean again it's just like you said like i i I mean of course uh we can't say it enough how important the the assassin's blade is to be read prior to all of these things but at least if you're not going to read it before throne of glass you have to read it before air fire at the least um but i agree like i i mean even for example like because i didn't even having reread this series now, I don't know how many times and having had read the, these, the series as it was coming out and stuff, I completely forgot that the name that Aelin gave in the, the fight, like the, the pits or whatever yes. was Ansel's name. Like I completely forgot about that. And obviously that that was like her like signal to Ansel to like, you know, bring, bring your ass. Um, and so it's again, like, I feel like that, like even in that moment, all these years later, I was like, oh, shit, that's right. Like, but not like the impact would not be as great. And you would probably blink and miss it if you didn't have any prior understanding of who she was and what she was to Aelin. Also, their experience. Um, so like, there's so much I mean, there's so much to unpack, of course, with the, the allies showing up. But like, that is like such a like 
one soothing moment, one, like, one, the calm before the storm was all of them showing up at the same time. And of course, like also being able to be like, na 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 boo boo to Aiden. Right. Um, right. Fucking asshole. Um, oh my God, seriously. But anyways, but yeah, I mean, and granted, I love Ansel's character too. Um, so mm-hmm. I was excited that she came back. But anyways, yeah, yeah I, I loved it. I loved how it like, it was like a full circle moment. Um, totally. And yeah. I'm here for it. No, and I think it's, I, you know, it's funny because I think that the most heartbreaking part of Empire of Storms is that she has all of these allies. So they literally return from the swamp to see Ansel there and no one trusts her. This is why I say like, y'all are weak. Like you just, you have no faith, you have no trust. Um, and that is like the one moment where I truly almost refused to forgive Lorcan is where he calls Maeve because he thinks that Ansel is an enemy power. That was one of the reveals that I remember was just so painful. Was that You're like, oh Lorcan, you tried. He, Hashtag he did try. You and like that's that's why I forgave him was because he wasn't like, Oh, <laughs> fuck you, Aelin, I'm calling Maeve. Yeah. He was like, I just right. need to save a lead and I don't care who goes down if I need to save a lead. And I already like love that kind of character anyway. So I was like, okay, I forgive you. Um, but the <laughs> fact that like no one trusted her um, as if she hasn't told everyone that she lived this crazy, this crazy and incredible, amazing life as an assassin and like met so many cool people and made friends along the way. Like, that breaks my heart. It really does feel there are some moments in the series where it literally only feels that Rowan has her back and everyone else doesn't. And Fenris. And I think that's and Fenris. True story. <laughs> and Lysandra. Let's be real. Okay, Lysandra right, also had right. her I'm back. I'm sorry, but like, all right. So we're gonna of the remove, men. Let's go with the we're men. We're removing Adian from the friend group. We're removing Kale from the friend group, <laughs> and we're replacing them with Lysandra and Fenris. Okay, but um, but like I said, I mean, okay, but n- not to. <laughs> say much positive about Kale, but at least Kale gained his, his senses eventually. True, true. Right? Adian was almost always a cock. Yeah. So, but I also think that you know what? Just going back to Adian for five more seconds, and I'm not going to give <laughs> no! you any more of my time. But like one thing that I think about Adian though is I feel like Adian's like the psychology here. Like I feel like with with him. That he is so, like, he romanticized, but not, like, in a romantic way. But you know what I mean? Like, he idolized this, like, um, relationship that he had with Aelin when they were kids. Where he was her protector and he was her her everything. Um, That I think that he just never dealt with or, like, personally addressed the fact that, like... It's never, it's not like that no mo. Yeah. And it's never going to be like that. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's part of the reason why he was such a brat. Um, because I think that he just never fully came to terms or accepted the fact that like. She doesn't need she, him anymore. She didn't need him. Even then she didn't need him um, right. when they were apart. Um, because like I said earlier in the episode, like uh, clearly all that work you put in to try to get her allies and shit didn't do shit about shit because <laughs> she clearly had to go out and yeah. do it herself. So yeah. thanks for nothing, Adian, once again. Anyways. Oh True. No, you're Sorry. right. Uh, mm-hmm. No, you're right. Um, 
Okay. Okay. So one more thing that I'm going to bring up. So in Era Fire, and then we'll call, we'll call it because R.I.P. Everyone. Thanks to everyone who's listening to this hour and ten minute long episode. We appreciate you. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a moment in Era Fire where Aelin shows Maeve the image that she saw in the Valg commander's mind, Merok or whatever his name was. Um, and he showed her like the image of like the, the, the smiling court and there are these males and she can tell that they're like males and not human men. Um, but she can't see their faces and empire of storms was the moment where I was like, Oh my God, she's going to steal not only Rowan, but also the rest of Maeve's cadre. Like she's going to steal all of them. Like as soon as we see Fenris and Gabriel and we see Fenris and we learn that Fenris had been the one who wanted to train Aelin in Mistward. And we see Gabriel who I really do love his presence. Like he is like such a bomb on the rest of them. They're all so angsty and everything is shitty. And Gabriel really is like the dad who's like, does everyone have snacks? Are we doing okay? Can I do like a <laughs> mental health check real quick? Um, like, let's think about this and process this, like, calm adults. Um, like, in Empire of Storms, I really saw, I was like, oh my god, how satisfying would it be if everyone turned against Maeve? And by the end, we kind of get those vibes, and we see that most of them have been released from the Blood Oath, so that's one of my favorite part of Empire of Storms, is kind of seeing, like, the idea start to creep in that Aelin's gonna just like take out the cadre but like take them out as in make them her bitches Lib- but not liber- like liberate ish precisely liberate ish like it's not problematic because she's gonna <laughs> free them but also they're her bitches now <laughs> right exactly <laughs> as free as you could possibly be without being free <laughs> right <laughs> anyway oh Wow, I feel like I'm coming out of my therapy session. Same. Bearing my soul. I've never like talked about <laughs> Empire of Storms this to this extent, and I'm not sure I ever will again. So I hope everyone right? was listening carefully. <laughs> <laughs> like if we ever do a reread again, we are skipping Empire of Storms oh and Kingdom of Ash because OMG. Uh-huh. I'm like basically skipping all of them except for Air of Fire. It's right. <laughs> Air of Fire is actually a standalone so we're just gonna novel. Reread Air of Fire. <laughs> Thanks so much for hanging in there for an hour and 13 minutes, everybody. Um, And of course, make sure that if you're not already following us, follow us on all of our socials at Mastastic on Instagram. Also, Mastastic.com is our website. You can also check out our shop at Phantomtastic.com. And I think that that's... Oh, we also have our Patreon. We have a few spots available. um, Patreon.com slash Phantomtastic. And I think I've covered it all. Ava, take it away. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. And remember, don't let the hard days win unless you're Adian. That's right. (laughs) Kale can be comfy elsewhere right now. (laughs) You know what? Let him live his best life. Right. He's living living a best life. (laughs) All right, everybody. We'll catch you next week. (laughs) 